am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman. Batman. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show. Yeah. Yeah. I am a podcast. Whoa. Hey. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Batman the Animated Podcast, an interview variety show for your ears where I talk to people about the legendary 1990s cartoon Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor is Police Blimps, the most inefficient way to patrol the Gotham skies. I'm your host, Justin Michael. Uh, If you have any idea who I am, it's probably because you've listened to my other podcast before you were funny or you're related to me either way today i am talking to you as a fellow fan of my favorite superhero cartoon on the planet and one of my favorite tv shows of all time batman the animated series uh here's what you're in for though each episode of this podcast will bring together a fan of the series and somebody who worked on the show to discuss their favorite episode. We're going to go behind the scenes. We're going to go in front of the scenes. We're going to meander pretty far away from those scenes because that's just how a conversation goes sometimes. But we'll always bring it back to BTAS, baby. Batman the Animated Series, BTAS. That's what the super nerds call it. Uh, it's going to be great. Later on, you'll hear my interview with Seth Green, where he says stuff like this. Oh, that's not cool, pointing and yelling at me like I'm the boogeyman. And Claire Grant, who says stuff like this. I can't believe I'm here, and these guys are all really talented, and I've literally grown up listening to them play all of my favorite characters. How cool is this? But first, I want to address the elephant in the room. The Grayson Family Circus elephant in the room. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Batman the Animated Series before, that's okay. I mean, you can still enjoy this podcast. But also, what are you waiting for? This is It's a great series. Go watch it right now. Stop what you're doing right now. I don't care if you're in your car or at the gym or on a subway train, you New Yorkers, or inside a sperm whale's belly, which is a very popular place to listen to a podcast, by the way. Drop everything, take a break from searching for Geppetto, and go watch this cartoon. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful and entertaining and well-made and fun, and it it just really holds up. Lucky for you, whether you've watched the show or not, I've devised a way of determining exactly how nerdy an episode is before you listen. Hey, Kevin Conroybot? Yes, Justin. Guys, I'd like you to meet my robot assistant, Kevin Conroybot. He looks exactly like Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy. It is true. I look identical. Hey, Kevin Conroybot. What's the Batman nerd level for today's episode? Today's Batman nerd level is... Calculating. Medium spicy. Oh, wow. So that means this episode is probably enjoyable to diehard fans of the animated series, but also accessible to a general audience. 
Thanks, Kevin Conroy bot. You are welcome, Justin. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Kevin Conroy bot. What a guy. What a bot. What a guy. What a bot. What a guy. What a robot. All right, let's get into it. Today's Batman the Animated Series episode is I Am the Knight, written by Michael Reeves, directed by Boyd Kirkland, music by Michael McCustian, McCushion, McCustian, McCustian, yeah, we'll call him Michael McCushion, uh, Custian is I think what it is. Anyway, this originally aired November 9th, 1992. It's the 34th episode to air, and it's solid, you guys. This is a good episode. I think what's interesting to me about this episode is that when I think back on Batman the Animated Series, and I think when most people do, what we remember are the episodes about the villains, those pivotal Joker, Penguin, Riddler, whoever episodes. Even if it's like Man Bat or Mr. Freeze or Maxi Zeus, there are people that it's it's less of a show about Batman and more of a show about the villains. So what's cool about this episode is this is one of those rare peaks into Batman's psyche. I mean, we get to watch Batman kind of go nuts we watch him wrestle with whether or not staying up all night dressing as a bat leaping from rooftop to rooftop taking in wards that may or may not be psychologically damaged is is even making a difference uh spoiler alert it does we also get a great one-off gangster villain named the jazz man i've been waiting a long time to play taps for gordon they got enough on me to play the funeral march Let's just say it was time to pay the piper. First, to make sure Gordon's got a one-way ticket to Harpland. Time to face the music, Gordon. What's not to love about that guy? Puns and guns? I like his style. At its heart, this episode is about Batman and Commissioner Gordon's friendship. And it's it's really sweet. That slow-mo climactic scene at the end? It's incredible. That climax is great. That climax made me climax. No, it didn't. But it was fun to say. You know what else is incredible? He segued perfectly. The title cards to these episodes. And it wouldn't be the first episode of Batman the Animated Podcast if we didn't play a game. It's time for the title card game. Today's episode, I Am the Knight. Today's contestant, Hello. Justin's mom. I'm Michelle. Justin's mom. This is her sound check. I just drank some water. It was refreshing. Then she talked some more about water. I also like Perrier, but it is bubbly and sometimes not as refreshing. Anyway, on to the title card game. Okay, so what I'm going to do is show you a title card. You're going to look at it, and based off of the title card, you're going to tell me what you think the episode is about. Let's see. I am the knight. Somehow Nightwing is born, or comes about. What do you think happens based on the title card? I don't really remember how we got a Nightwing, and it looks like there's a spotlight on him, and he's saying, I am the knight. And so the way he's laying down is almost... Like a semi, not fetal position, but almost a birthing, ready to stand up and wake up and meet the world position. It just looks like he's morphed from something. Who do you think the villain is in this episode? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Doesn't seem like anything obvious. The closest I would get would maybe be Two-Face. Oh, yeah. Although Two-Face really wasn't a night villain. He was an all-the-time villain. And you could usually see both sides of his face. Or maybe it was a particular villain that was going after Nightwing and that's how Nightwing was born and he says I am the night and that's the first episode because I really don't recall how we found Nightwing versus Robin. How did we get Nightwing? Were Batman and Robin was that the name of an animated series? Was it called Batman and Robin the animated series? No. Never. There was the new adventures of Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. Okay. All right. So how did we get Nightwing? Where does he fit in? Well, just because he wasn't in the title of a show doesn't mean he didn't. <laughs> you can, it wasn't called like the Joker, the animated series <laughs> when they introduced the Joker. Okay. Okay. Point well taken. <laughs> I just... It's just not reconciling in my mind thinking back because it's been so many years. I don't think that Robin was in the same episodes as Nightwing. Did Robin become Nightwing? Yeah. Oh, that's what I thought. Thank goodness, because I was so confused for a little bit. You've been so fixated on Nightwing in yes. an episode that is not even close to about Nightwing. I, I just think the whole Nightwing idea... Why are you obsessed with Nightwing? I really liked that character. What did you like about Nightwing? He was Batman-esque. Oh, you liked that he was like a badass Robin. Yeah, a badass Robin, but he had that dark personality, like Batman. He was a hunk. He was a what? A hunk. I wouldn't say that he was a cartoon. <laughs> so what you're saying is Nightwing was a hunk then? Uh, no, I don't think Nightwing was a hunk, but perhaps to the other cartoon characters, they may have found him to be a hunk. He did have a mullet. Yeah, and he certainly was a lot taller than Robin. Yeah, well, he was grown up Robin. And he wore a much better outfit. Well, thank you for talking to me about Nightwing and Robin in an episode that is not about Nightwing or Robin. You are welcome, and I am happy to talk to you about anything. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome, Justin. Wasn't that fun? Oh, that was a fun game. Thanks, Mom. Now it's time to get on to the interview. As I mentioned earlier, my guests today are Claire Grant and Seth Green. You might know Claire from Team Unicorn, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, Clone Wars, or Walk the Line. She's also a big old fan of Batman the Animated Series. You probably know Seth, who is also her husband, as one of the creators and actors from Robot Chicken, or from Family Guy, or Austin Powers, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or Guardians of the Galaxy. I also just saw him in Radio Days, which I had never seen before, and he was great. And he was in It!, I just realized that, too. He also gave my friend Dan Lippert a bowl cut once. That's a fun fact. But most importantly, for today's purposes, he played the character Wizard in the BTAS, Batman the Animated Series, episode, 
I am the night. So without further ado, let's get to that interview. Well, hey guys, welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. <laughs> yes! Hooray! Uh, we got Seth Green, Claire Grant. How are you guys? Fantastic. I'm so excited to talk about Batman for like 45 minutes. I love Batman. You like Batman a lot. I love Batman the Animated Series, so let's go. Yeah, so let's just dig in. Why do you love Batman? Do you feel like it's a definitive Batman? I, the Animated Series? Yeah. You know, for me, I saw all of the... Uh, Tim Burton Batmans at the drive-in when I was a kid and I was super obsessed with Batman and had all of the collectors trading cards and whatever things my mom would get me I I had and so when when Batman the animated series happened I literally revolved every single day of my life around watching that show and it meant so much to me and any person that I met that felt the same way at that time, I knew right away that we were meant to be friends, and <laughs> and so so for me, that's I mean, yeah, that's that's my Batman. That's I'm the same way. That yeah. like that is how I made friends when I was a kid. It was like Burton Batman and Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. I used to race home and pop in a VHS and record and press pause when the commercials came up. So I could have edited Batman episodes, uh, <laughs> wow. and then like organize. I was I was a little. Uh, OCD I just wouldn't go outside and play with any of my friends after school. I mean, through high school, all through high school, it came on at four thirty, and I did not leave my house until after that show was over. Yeah. Then I would go play with the kids. Oh man. <laughs> what was your What was your early Batman experience? Well, I read uh, Batman comics before the animated series came out. Let me really think about that timeline because. The Dark Knight book came out before the animated series, and that was, like, my most definitive Batman. Mm-hmm. I had already read – I'm almost positive that that the year one had come out before the animated series. <clears throat> and so I was really deep into the comic side of Batman. And when the cartoon came on, it was a completely new aesthetic. All of the animated designs, the 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 shapes and colors of the characters were unique and felt – really pop um and i love that style and then i don't know if you know this but i got to be on both the animated series and batman beyond so jealous you were on batman beyond also i loved batman beyond too yeah it's great so it was all kind of happening currently and i i was excited to get to be a part of the batman pantheon even though i wasn't playing anything really important how old you were you were you were probably pretty young when you were on Batman, right? Yeah, I was like sixteen. So you were at like peak being into Batman time when you got to be on Batman? I was real fucking into Batman when I got to do that. And it was cool because meeting Paul Dini at the time was, you know, it's similar to meeting George Lucas at, at the moment. You know what I mean? It felt like he was the definitive architect of that universe at the moment. It's a dream. When I was I, I wasn't like super I grew up in LA. And so when I, I, you know, you see people around town, but I was at a Target, and I remember getting so nervous because I saw Bruce Tim, uh, like, in the gardening section while yeah. I was with my mom, and I was like, that's Bruce Tim. Like, uh, do I do anything? Like, out of all people to be, like, like, like just yeah. out of my mind nervous about being around, it was him. And, like, nobody else, like, knew who he was he there. He would have been so confused and delighted if you had recognized him in a public place. I think I, I was worried I would creep him out. Uh, just like this little kid just really excited about a dude who, you know, I, isn't usually in the public eye. I did a lot of creeping 
uh, people out when I was a kid. Just Appro- in general or just Batman appro- approaching actors that never would have expected like a tiny red haired white boy to know their name and resume. <laughs> just carried it on you. N- no. Breck Bre- and I ran into John Amos at one point when we were like sixteen. He's the dad on uh, Good Times the, yeah. and the father in uh, Coming to America. And uh, we were like, oh, my gosh, John Amos. And he just got really mad. He's like, oh, that's not cool, pointing and yelling at me like I'm the boogeyman. <laughs> and we were like, what? John, I love your work. And he, he just turned and walked away. And Breck and I really thought about how weird it must have been for a 55-year-old African-American actor to be recognized by 16-year-old white boys in a Sherman Oaks uh, Tower Records. Like, how unusual must that have been for him? And yet he was not excited about it. It's like something happened today, honey. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't believe it. These boys grabbed me in a tower. Well, did you yell at them and say that you weren't the boogeyman? Of course I did. Okay, good, good. They didn't seem to understand it. They just kept talking about good times. All right. Well, <laughs> stay inside for another ten days. I will. <laughs> uh, so, actually, you guys are both, you're currently on a Hulk show, right? Hulk and the Agents of Smash? Yes, well, Seth is a is um, permanently on it, and I recur this character named Titania, but yeah. she's only come on a couple of times, I think. She's part of the Wrecking Crew. Part of the Wrecking Crew. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You Are know. you into Marvel stuff like that? I am. I haven't actually watched a ton of the recent stuff, but I've I've been I've done my research. Wrecking Crew. I first really learned about them in Secret Wars, and it's like Wrecker and Thunderball and. Uh, I think it's Pile Driver and Titania, but Titania, I'm almost positive they created her at Secret Wars. I feel like, I, I think, I think in the, I'm almost positive in the Secret Wars thing they like created her. She was a human that got brought by the Beyonder, and they made her into a, a superhero. I read Secret Wars. I don't remember that. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just don't remember that. I know you were more into the Doom story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is because you guys. Don't you work with some Batman the Animated Series folks? Yeah. Like, Paul Dini developed the show, yeah, right? Yeah, Paul, Paul writes a bunch of the Hulk episodes, too, yeah. Have you guys nerded out about Batman the Animated Series with him? Well, I've known him, it's like 20 years now, and so I, I less nerd out on him than, this, this will sound stupid, but it's the truth, like, we high-five about getting to be a part of it. Oh, my gosh. So instead of being like, oh, my gosh, you're the greatest, it's like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this is actually happening? What a dream. Yeah. If you told, like, little kid you that you were going to get to do that. Well, we have this conversation a lot because, like, if little kid me knew half the shit that I was going to do, I don't think I ever would have actually worked towards doing any of them. It was only because all of those things seemed so impossible that I I kept pushing to make them real. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you've both, like, built your careers on the things you love. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's nothing cooler than that. Who knew that you could do that? Yeah, it's like, okay. Like, we're in a place, we're currently in a studio that has an arcade, like, the coolest looking arcade that I've ever seen. It's pretty fun. It's all the really good games, too. The best ones. The only ones you need. Yeah. Yeah. Only the good ones. Only the good ones. Uh, the okay. other ones were thrown out. There were 300 other machines, and they got thrown out. Yeah. They, <laughs> they just, were packed they just didn't make the cut. side on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, you know what? We could get rid of these in a thoughtful way, but we're going to throw them in the, the incinerator instead. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. We work in a place with an incinerator. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, we are in the furnace right now. <laughs> it's we're very hot. Forging train parts all day. <laughs> What's that train for again? Training. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> wordplay. <laughs> I obviously like it. Yeah, we get the wordplay. <laughs> um, so let's, let's dig into, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this episode 
that Seth was in called <laughs> I Am the Night. Uh, when was the last time you guys saw this episode? I it's been, it's been since it was on, I'm sure. I watched a lot of reruns for a while, but and then when they came out on DVD, I watched them, but I don't really think I paid attention to the titles. I would probably remember once we got going. This you know is... what I can tell you is that uh, Andrea Romano directed it. Andrea, who directs almost all the the DC stuff and uh, currently directs Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, and you're on Ninja Turtles yeah. as Leonardo. She's 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 like my favorite VO director, and n- nothing against any other VO director I've ever worked with. But Andrea has a very unique um, way of operating. She she really understands story and character. She actually loves actors yeah. and is is highly adept at communicating with them in tight, concise, incredibly informative, you know, bursts of direction. She's she I credit her with not not actively but unintentionally teaching me how to direct voiceover. Yeah, I mean, she has a reputation for doing things differently too. Like she likes to get everybody in the same room as much as possible. It's not always possible, and sometimes that that takes longer. But she does keep an energy amongst you. And then also, if you're just working one on one, she knows how to blast you through it. Do you remember without, what sa- without sacrificing performance? She seems like I mean, like everybody has had nice things to say about her. Too. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, do you remember what it was like to work with her at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. Cause, oh, I had done ton- tons of voiceover. Like I grew up. Uh, I'd probably been working for 14 or 15 years before I got to do that show. Is that right? 16, maybe it was like 10, 10 or 12. She, um, she was really fast. And I was in a room with a bunch of other people, but we would still do Q2Q stuff. Like I'd do three takes of something. And she would just make very simple adjustments, or especially for the, like the vocalizations of fighting and things like that. She, she could just get, she was like, I need a higher, she just would find the right adjective to make your brain say, oh, that's what I need to, that's what I need to come out of my mouth. And get through it quickly, which is important. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, how did that rub off on, I guess, the way you direct Robot Chicken or anything else that you have, you know, voiceover involved with? Seth is a really good voiceover director. I love working with him. I love working with you. I I really focus on what it is that we actually need to accomplish. I focus on what the emotional point of view is of the character instead of trying to give them a specific, like, measure here, lift here. The, he's also got this this thing that I've noticed because sometimes sometimes I ask him to help me with auditions and then sometimes I just can't even ask him to help me with auditions. <laughs> but I've noticed that he has the ability to look at a scene and say, oh, this scene is this part of the movie and, and that if, if this is happening and this character needs to accomplish this and this character needs to accomplish this. So this line means this and this line means this and this is the way that you do it. And it's <laughs> it's bananas because it's... It's it's so fast. He does it so fast. And I know that he's been acting like twice as long as I have. But still to be able to break a scene down like that and down to like line precision yeah. is really amazing. And so he's able to translate that directing voiceover so he can just he can just make actors feel super comfortable and also give him exactly what he knows the scene requires. That's one of the most important things is feeling comfortable enough to just do your best. Yeah. Well, I think because I've been acting all my life, I'm hypersensitive to actors and what you need. You know, acting is such a weird thing to choose to do. You're you're replicating emotion. I don't think you choose to do it. <laughs> well, true, true. You don't. You can't. 
It's it like it erupts need... out of you like a volcano of creativity. Well, you just need to. You need to, and it's and you would only do it if you needed to because it's such a laborious and defeating proposition. Oh yeah, it's not an but, easy thing. It's not like but, you're choosing the easy path. Yeah, but it's but the most to that end, job I, ever. Yeah, it really can be. Yeah. Well, just but just to that end, I love actors, and so I know what it feels like to be on this side of the glass, and I know what it it feels like to not be able to hear what they're saying and just emotionally want to please the people that have hired you and so i'm very welcoming you know what i mean yeah what do you do to kind of make actors comfortable while they're in the booth whatever they need in a lot of ways i i let them know i'm I'm real direct before they get in the booth and just sort of walk them through what we're going to do and i make sure that i'm smiling so that they don't feel like there's any pressure or you know what i mean yeah and we're going to figure it out and i i know usually based on who we've got and what we have to accomplish, how much time it'll take or what we might need. And then there's all kinds of variables you never expect. But just just helping an actor feel at ease to be able to give you their gift, that's that's the role of a director. And seamlessly transitioning into Batman from that, I feel like that the acting in that show was it was much more grounded and adult yes, than any other so much. cartoons that I've ever it's, seen. It's writing Especially and that casting time. and directing. You know, yeah. you, well, you and also stuff. the performances were all very, I mean. very grounded. The, the yeah. casting, like you get the actors that are not going to be overtly theatrical. You get actors that are going to play it with a grounded point of view, and then you get a director that's going to keep them shepherded. But critical is that there's writing that... Is that exemplifies that? Yeah, I feel like there was a deliberate choice to bring in a lot of like on camera actors of the time instead of like traditional voice actors, just because they wanted uh, not softer takes, but just like a more realistic realistic tone. Yeah, Yeah. they wanted that show to feel grounded, and I feel like that's what set it apart. Some of the stuff they get away with in that show. Well, the animation was so awesome. Yeah, it was. It's insane. It's so good. (laughs) I know it's so fluid, and it. it feels like the aesthetic of the show is. Yeah, you know what? I will credit them with, even after I got old enough to a point where I wasn't watching TV anymore, where I had to work when I got out of school instead or something like that. Anytime that I would check back in with the show or whatever version of Batman, the animated whatever, was happening, the, the aesthetic, it always felt very similar, just a little bit upgraded. Yeah. You know? So it was comfortable and homey and made me feel like I didn't really miss out on too much. Yeah, it holds up. I love those designs. Those are, those were some of the best toys coming out at the time because they looked exactly like the animation and they were they were clean and like solid lines. My only complaint is that in the manufacturing they had difficulty standing up. Yeah. Because the legs themselves were... Bruce Tim designs aren't made to stand. This guy. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even oh, that. Oh, my This goodness. is so stupid, but the... A lot of times when toys get packaged, they'll it's all hot. You know, the toy is kind of freshly yeah. warm, and they'll put it in um, uh, the plastic that is, um, fuck, what's it called? The vacuform. Vacuform. The vacuform. So the plastic vacuform is like just hot cheered. plastic, and the all these things. So sometimes just being in that like heat compressed sealed thing, the limbs will bend. Yeah. And so you'll get guys that are severely bow legged or action figures where the the foot is almost pointing at the shin and there's no way that's going to stand up. I remember trolling like early internet forums. It was like you. the boil and pop method of like, you know, like soak it in hot oh. water, then like bend the ankle oh. a little bit. And then brace it with some kind of Ooh, splint like and then put it in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's glasses, actually... but like, you know, cool fighting glasses. <laughs> My friend Hugh used to come over to my house and find me with a 
a pot of boiling water and action figures in it. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And we just coined the phrase cooking toys. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else was like, I think these guys are cooking drugs right now. It was, it was pre-internet, but as soon as the internet came and there were message boards and I could communicate with other customizers, then we were all, we realized how similar everybody is. Everybody's yeah. doing the same shit. That was one, I mean, I grew up kind of like on a, like an advent of internet, like as, you know, like the AOL days. Yeah. But I feel like the way, like all I spent my time on was going to action figure forums. And it was all about too. Batman action figures specifically, like these Kenner figures. And then I think it was mostly Kenner. And then like, I think Mattel took over the license, yeah. but that was all I was looking for. Like I, my password, my first password was uh, Metallo. <laughs> As a kid, I was like, I love Metallo from the Superman the Animated Series wow. episode. And like, it's a bad password too. Like there's yeah. no numbers, there's no capital. It was just like Metal O. <laughs> Anybody could have hacked that kid account. What's that, what's that group called that he's part of? This, the Revenge Society? The, uh, the other metal guys. There's a whole. Is there an evil, like a metal villain group? Yeah, it's like the gold guy and metal. Oh, the metal men. Yeah, the metal men. There yeah. you go. With Mercury. Can't they're all like that. named. They're all. I think their personalities reflect <laughs> like what kind of metal. <laughs> metal they are. <coughs> oh, and they have a weird scientist pseudo dad. Yeah. <laughs> a kind of a father figure. Yeah. Um, so you guys are both like collectors, or you, you like you like merchandise and toys and it's stuff. True. Did it's you true. have these the Batman toys when you were kids? You were saying that you collected like all the cards and stuff. Yeah, I um, I collected all the the, the cards, cards, like the trading cards, and no, you know the only the only like action figures or toys that I really played with were My Little Pony and Voltron. Mm-hmm. Well, you liked statues too. Did you get into any? Of the I started statues collecting then? statues when I was uh, a teenager, or maybe when I was twenty. My my college boyfriend gave me a statue one year for for like Christmas or my birthday, and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, why, why have I never Why have I never thought of this before? There's a new world opening up. Yeah, and then I started going crazy, but um, I collected a lot of Pez dispensers. I have an, I have a really large Pez dispenser collection, and so I have my Batman Pez dispenser from when I was a little kid. But I didn't have any Batman toys. You I had the Batmobile. You had that lunchbox. And I would put ponies inside the Batmobile. Yeah, and my my uh, lunchbox in elementary school was a Batman lunchbox. And I had that. I still have it. Actually, when I got into high school, I thought I was cool by turning it into my tape, my cassette tape case. Yeah. So, And I still have all of my high school tapes and mixtapes from all my closest friends inside that Batman lunchbox that's displayed on our toy shelf. That's so cool. Yeah. 89 was the year that I really alienated myself from my entire uh, graduating class. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was a huge Batman fan, and that movie, by the time it was announced that it was coming out, by the time there was that picture in Time Magazine with Michael Keaton in front of the car, yeah. I had already been wearing a different Batman shirt every day for like half the school year. And so all of us, like, and I took a lot of shit for wearing a Batman shirt when everyone else was starting to dress in clothes and make out with people and, you know, have like, be focused on having sex with each other. You're like, wait, of, guys! <laughs> I just didn't give a shit, honestly. I was like, Batman! And I had like the 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 uh, the Killing Joke cover, T-shirt, and all this cool shit. And uh, took a lot of shit for it. And then all of a sudden, Batman became trendy. And the people who had been giving me shit about wearing Batman shirts were now wearing Batman shirts. 
And so I got really indignant and righteous about it and, like, shit-talked all of them and just wound up getting my ass kicked. You don't know Batman. That's what, yeah, I, I would say shit like that. I was like, what's Batman's real name? And they were like, I don't fucking care. It's fucking fashion, you dumbass. You fucking get back in the closet. Hey, it's Bruce Wayne. Wait, it's Bruce Wayne. Oh, he's a billionaire philanthropist. Wait, wait. That was amazing. Just yelling Batman facts. Yeah. <laughs> we just acted out a, uh, a fight, like uh, a foot and a half from each other. Yeah, yeah it was great. But Sitting chairs. It was voice acting. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's, this is a lesson in voice acting for a podcast Hey, it's me again, interrupting myself In just a couple minutes, I'll continue the interview And we'll talk about what it was like for teenage Seth to meet Kevin Conroy The voice of Batman But first, a word from our sponsor Look, up in the sky Is it a cop? Is it a slow airborne vehicle? Yes to both questions It's the police blimp And it's here for all your inefficient policing needs I'm confused, why is that a good thing? Well, I'll tell you We at the GCPD aren't just any cops, we're Gotham City Cops. Every single day, a brand new batch of morally depraved people in expertly designed costumes pop up and do terrible things. So why even try? Oh, I think I get it. Why bother catching a criminal today when a new one is bound to show up tomorrow? Exactly, my man. With police blimps, cops can finally admit they're useless in Gotham City without Batman and give themselves some well-deserved floaty time. But what about people like me who don't like police blimps floating along their skyline like an Orwellian dystopia with a dash of Hindenburg. Come on, what's more scary? An armed hydrogen-filled blimp with blinding powerful spotlights or a man who uses umbrellas to shoot people? Well, honestly, both sound Exactly, my ma'am. Only the umbrella part is scary. But don't take my word for it. Take it from these real Gotham City citizens. Nah, police blimps aren't scary. I like them because when I robs a bank, it's a lot easier to outrun cops when they're so slow and far away. As a Gotham City blimp officer, being so high up in the air affords me the time to take at least three hours to decide what donut I'm going to eat. And then I like to eat it. My husband, the man Beth, thinks blimps are fun to tear apart. As you can see, everybody loves police blimps for the right reasons. I'll say. I'm not convinced at all. Well, you know what we say in Gotham. Too bad, you live in the worst city imaginable. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I'm a Gothamite. I deserve anything I can get, even if it's a waste of city money and seems like a bad idea. I knew you'd come around. Police blimps, where equal parts aesthetically pleasing and useless. Hooray for blimps! Coming soon to a sky near you. talk a little bit about this episode. I'm going to refresh your memories. Okay, okay. Uh, so the episode that you were in, you played a character named Wizard, who was not a wizard. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, he just, that was his cool nickname. <laughs> his name was Wizard, and he was like a teen yeah. on the wrong side of the tracks. He's reincarnated from Darth Vader. <laughs> It, this was, so this was like a really sad Batman episode. Like I feel like most of the Batman episodes, even though it's a show called Batman the Animated Series, it was always about the villain. You know, like we learned about Batman through like the pathos of the villain. And this one was like it starts with like emo, sulky Batman in the Batcave. And he's like, why do I ever do it, Alfred? Like they just come out, they break out. Like is it even worth it? Uh, and so it's like, I feel like it's like like how Batman got his groove back by the end. <laughs> like it's not, it, it's like just, he's really sad and it's about this guy, you know, like the jazz man who takes out Commissioner Gordon, puts him in critical condition, and uh, Batman has to, you know, really fight his inner demons before he can save Commissioner Gordon. But you bookend the episode. Like in the beginning of the episode, just... I'm just going to talk at yeah, you yeah, about Batman yeah, for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm ready. The recap. Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit of a recap. Uh, Batman b- basically runs across this, this you know, two-bit crook, 
who, you know, is kind of scamming people, played by yourself. And uh, by the end of the episode, that crook turns it around, <laughs> carries a suitcase, and gets on a bus to start a new life and get a job. There's always hope. Uh, so you were the hope for that episode. <laughs> you also, I think you make fun of Batman in the beginning of the episode. Probably. You're like, oh, Batman, like that guy. Like you walk by, in the episode they actually have Batman talk about how there's too much merchandise about him. I feel like that was, like there was a storefront window with like masks and comic books. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't remember this from the animated series. I don't remember the merchandise bit, but I do remember the wizard character, and I remember him leaving. And like, I think I may even remember when he left, he was wearing like a like a matching sweatsuit or something like that. Yeah, is that crazy? Am I remembering that right? I don't remember that part of it. <laughs> but you're, you're asking the wrong guy. That was uh, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what wizard was wearing during <laughs> episode ten production order? Of course. You know, I could tell. I mean, I could tell you what the shape of the room we recorded in was. Ooh, please. Uh, well, I just remember that the booth had a, a double stack. There were two desks, and there were like the engineer and the director sat at this desk, and the producers at the desk behind them. And who was who was in the room watching the record? Um, well, it was Andrea and uh, Paul was there, and I want to say that Bruce was there, and. I can't. I can't remember who the engineer was. And then there were like two other actors who were there. I remember I got to meet Kevin Conroy. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. That's and I. I'm almost positive that's where I met Clancy Brown, but that might not be true. Clancy you Brown. You were that young when Lex you met Luthor. Clancy Brown. What's that? You were that young when you met him. I met him. I met him first a long time ago, and I was crazy because he was in both um, uh, uh, Highlander and Pet Cemetery. And I was yeah. Like, oh. oh yeah, he was in Pet <laughs> Cemetery. Yeah. I love him so much. I get to, he's on the Hulk now. Yeah. We get to see each other all the time. So you get to play I with DC him. Universe people all the time. We brought yeah. Clancy in to play Gorilla Grodd in our second DC special. He does so much shit. He came in for, he's on Turtles too. Yeah. He's on all of it. He has he's the best so voice in the talented. world. He's also uh, shockingly versatile for a guy with as distinct a voice as he has. Yeah. I'm actually impressed with all of the guys who they cast on Hulk. Every single person in that room is it's majorly talented. Fred Tatashore plays. Oh the my Hulk, goodness, it's insane! I can't even. Can't even. Sometimes I just because whenever they record that show, it's every person on the show in a round room, and then I just sit around. I'm like, um, I can't even believe I'm here, and these guys are all really talented, and I've literally grown up listening to them play all of my favorite characters. How cool is this? So how do you prepare going into that? You're just like, got to be composed and cool, and you're also an actor, so you, <laughs> you don't need to do that. I'm imagining myself in that room. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm just so focused on thinking about my character that... Oh, what a good actor does. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking about the nerdy questions that I would ask them, and you're like, no, I prepare for a part. <laughs> Well, I just don't want to let anybody down. That's a that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you this: Do you have a favorite Batman villain? Um, you guys are so you're like three feet apart, <laughs> and it feels like a forever. Um, well, it's it's different depending on what we're talking about. So, like in Batman comics, uh -huh. I've always loved the Joker. Um, in the Batman animated series, I had a, a special thing for Clayface. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, he's also an actor. That's maybe part of it? Or Although, what did you like about him? He, he's just a sad character. Like, like a really, like a character full of pathos and anger and sadness. And you could see that he's just a guy who really went the wrong way. And plus, he's just hideously disfigured and not even human anymore, except for his 
his spirit, which is like very depressed. Yeah, it's but so loved, sad. In, in the animated series, I also loved Harley because that was the first time I ever saw yes. her, and she just became one of my fast favorites. Yeah. But then, if we're talking about our Batman, I like our Scarecrow. <laughs> I like oh. our Scarecrow a lot. I really like our whole Legion of Doom. <laughs> They're just a bunch of bumbling assholes. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, because the Tim Burton Batmans were so influential on me, I was that that I really loved Joker, super loved Joker as a kid, and then loved Joker the most on animated series. Loved Harley, became very obsessed with Harley. I had a Harley costume made recently. Yeah, very fun. I'm nervous about that Suicide Squad movie. You know, I, I want it. I want it to be awesome. I'm just nervous about. I it. hope it's great. It's such a good comic. I, I actually really like the pitch of Jared Leto as the Joker, and I'm I'm curious what he'll do with it. I think he's I think he's a, f- a pretty fearless actor. Yeah, he's so super I, talented. Oh, yeah. So I know he'll go for it. You know, it's it's just whether or not you like his interpretation. I'm, I'm most nervous about seeing Harley. I want somebody to do a good Harley on screen. I'm so sad I didn't get to audition for that. <laughs> Let's go. I have a time machine, you guys. I know. Did I not mention that? What? Yeah, we can use that time machine to go back and you can audition. <laughs> and that's what we'll use it for. Nothing else nothing to help else. the world. Yeah, we're not going to go back in time and <laughs> everything that I can Wait, think can of. Yeah, I know. Like can everything wildly inappropriate. Was. Can we talk about how awesome these Batman games are right now? Because. Well, like the Arkham? Game? Yeah, well, yeah. not just the Arkham ones, but also like Batman Lego because. Batman Lego is really awesome, but the Batman Arkham series games, every single one of those games has been phenomenal, and it's made me fall in love with other characters. Like, for me, Scarecrow from the very first Batman game, his entire... Level. His I guess. section is one of the coolest. Oh my god, like, it's the like a weird nightmare. Like the when first that... time I played it, I was like, "What's happening? I Why know. is the room changing?" It was amazing. And don't it you end up mind. in like the like the Wayne murder? Like, yes. isn't... it's so cool. Yes. Like it just feels like you're playing the story rather than it. Fe- uh, a game. Yes, it does. And We're and and I loved how the second game literally had elements that they introduced in the Nolan movies that was just pinpoint perfect and really made you feel like you were just playing out a movie it's the we're most far from i that. am batman like, going, like going oh, to, I to say that and feel yeah, it when we went to the transformers ride and it's a physical ride with a with a, a story behind oh, wait, it universal I think we're getting closer and closer best. to that kind of converged experience yeah where, you know instead of going to a movie theater to watch a movie you'll have a first person interaction with a cinematic experience you know i was we're reading not far from that some interview, I'm not going to remember where, but uh, I think it was with Tony Baxter, who's like, you know, uh, an old Imagineer, uh, like one of the big Imagineers. And what he was talking about was like the future of like wowing people is in ride technology because we can see anything at this point on a movie screen. But like there's something about seeing like Experience. the Harry Potter castle or like, you know, just like mm-hmm. the art design, a tactile big world. Have you done that Transformers ride? I have. It's, it's pretty great. So cool. It's pretty it's great. Pretty awesome. We all walked out of that ride going, this is what the movie should be. Yeah. It was so fun. I went on the Spider-Man ride in Florida, which is like basically the same thing as Transformers, but it's it, it's like it's Did older. We do that? A lot of those, a lot of the 3D rides like that just make me sick. Just straight up make me sick. The Transformers ride is a weird one because it doesn't feel like 
as jarring as those other 3D rides. The Harry Potter ride especially. The Harry Potter ride made me really sick. I did it once. I'll probably never do it again, but I really needed but, to do it. But oh, then yeah. we did both sides of the competing dragons uh, double loop roller coaster, and we were all like, yeah! <laughs> like, I'm cool ride. with 100 loops in a row, but I can't do a simulator. That's, that's that kind honestly of the weird is true reality for me, is I can do whatever roller coaster, like hands up in the air loving it, but as soon as you start, you strap me into a seat-belted thing and show me a TV, it makes me sick. Yeah, the new Star Wars ride makes me really sick. Oh, Star, Star Tours. Tours Adventure yeah. Continues. And I'm it's sad cool. because I want to see all 52 of those experiences. I like, I like the jigsaw of it, but yeah, I walk out of it just like, nah, that, was, that was fun. Let's go on again. Let me see the Wookiee planet. <laughs> Take me to Kajik. I'm really sad I ate that chili mac and cheese. <laughs> but I just threw it up, so I'll get another and then go on the ride again. I'm sorry, Anakin. <laughs> Can I get more bacon, please? <laughs> you keep throwing up on kids. <laughs> Here, have some of the marshmallows I ate earlier. Why did you keep those? Oh, all you got needed the sustenance. Help me like powdered cheese. What the fuck is happening? Uh, we became like the, the Vincent D'Onofrio characters from Men in Black, all of us, for just a second. That, people don't give him enough credit, man. He's like... It, Vincent D'Onofrio is an amazing actor. It's and that, insane. And the that range, like, that's so funny and so creepy at the same time. But just the detail of that performance, you don't doubt him for a second. Nope. He's for sure a cockroach alien. <laughs> Sugar bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves Star Tours. That's the one thing we know about that character. Roll 52. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Batman. Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a Batman podcast. Uh, okay. So I would love a Batman ride. What? Okay, let's, let's, Wait, let's jump into that. you mean more than the roller coaster? The roller coaster is very cool. I like the roller At coaster. At Six Flags? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have so, and also, like, I, I think they have a Mr. Freeze roller coaster they at one do. of the other Six Mis- Flags. No, they have it at ours. Wait, they do? Yeah. I haven't have been Mr. at Freeze Six Flags at ours. in a while. Um, they have a Green Lantern one, which mm-hmm. I rode once and will never ride again. And um, they have a, what are the other awesome DC rides I think they have there? Riddler's Revenge. Oh, yeah, Riddler's Revenge. And his revenge. revenge is you stand up. Yeah. You're not allowed to sit down on his coaster. It's good. I like, <laughs> I love roller coasters. Yeah. I grew up on that. Now I've become a very, like, old man. <laughs> like, I, I get really I get really nauseous on roller coasters now. <laughs> uh, I loved them as a kid, and now I, I can't handle it, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I love that, that Riddler ride. It's great. And yeah. it's, like, three full minutes long, which just feels like forever. Yeah, Batman's, like, 45 seconds. Riddler's Revenge is long. That Have you been on that lan- the Green Lantern ride, Imagine? No. It's one of... The worst designed things I've ever, and not to like shit on that ride, but somebody was like, "Oh yeah, Green Lantern's ring it does all crazy this." So the shape of this thing is like a four leaf clover, and you go in the moat like flipping over, and it's just like jarring side shapes. That it's you... a test of your body's endurance to stay together. I did it one time, and I was like, "Who? This isn't fun at all. This is like." jarring and painful and disorienting and not in a cool way. Well, if you had a lantern ring and you were able to fly through space like that, obviously it would be much better. Probably. (laughs) Something to insulate me from uh, motion sickness? (laughs) You know, if I was going to make a Green Lantern roller coaster, I would have done it as if it was sort of inside like uh, Space Mountain, but then put green neon strips everywhere yeah. so that it feels like you're 
you know, like an inside coaster, so yeah. it felt like you were actually exploring space. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. so cool. If you if you simulated Hal Jordan's ride to like Oa and saw all the oh, images that's even better. of other yeah. Lantern Core, because there's a lot of projected stuff in the Green Lantern universe, you could get away with that. Is like that's I'm that guessing makes sense. they just didn't want to you can contact it. us at <laughs> at rides are cool at <laughs> gmail biz it's an alternate gmail that you've never heard of uh, gmail.gov not to sidetrack but do you know that you can get dot ninja and dot all kinds of crazy things right now yeah it's more than just dot com and dot whatever country you're from it's they're going crazy with the dots we gotta take advantage of that right now i know Maybe I should make this a dot I keep Batman waiting for them website. to have a dot unicorn, but it hasn't happened yet. Is Team dot unicorn? Dot mm-hmm. Batman? I, we should look into it. Let's find out. Right? I'm going to make everything dot Batman if there is. <laughs> Justin Michael dot Batman. There we are. Done. Um, let me see. I just have... Oh, what was it like to work with Kevin Conroy? We, we kind of glossed over that real quickly. Mm. I didn't think much of it. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't... Um... He was awesome. He's a terrific actor, and but we didn't have a ton to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just did those scenes, and so I really looked to Andrea to give me any information. And when she said, "Great, we got it," we were like, "Great, we got it." You know what I mean? You're like, "That was it." Yeah, I've run into him uh, once or twice since then. He's always really I, cool. I never have. I would be really excited to meet him. He's awesome. I've heard too. he's a dreamboat. He, yeah, sure. he's a handsome guy. But you know. All the work that he did, not just on the show, but on the video games, too. Like, right. it's really exceptional stuff. Well, that's one of the coolest things. I think what I love about those Arkham games is that I think Paul Dini worked on them, uh, writing for some of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, he developed the story, at least for, like, the first the two. The first two. And, and they're using Mark Hamill as the Joker. They're oh, using so Kevin Conroy's bat. Like, they're reusing so many voices from the animated series because they're such well, I think definitive only on, actually, voices. Actually, I think only on the first game. I think the next two games, they Mark, are all new actors. They I switched. think so, too. Yeah, Mark did the first two games, right? Yes. Did he do the third game? I no, was a, he did not do the third game. Though, right? The third game? I think yeah. That was a prequel. I loved it. We I haven't gotta, played it yet. We <gasps> gotta take a second, though, and just acknowledge how fucking awesome Mark Hamill is in that role. Yeah. You gotta stop and think about the length and breadth of that guy's career and how, you know, after Star Wars and before he got that part, just culturally, we're a weird place. We'll let uh, we'll let celebrities evolve only on a very specific course. Yeah, and Mark like got to redefine himself in that role so much so that people didn't even know it was him. So, I didn't know it was him until I became an adult and it was mind-blowing. Yeah, so it, when I first gave, found out I was like, what? Well, it <laughs> gave him as an actor the ability to kind of move past Luke Skywalker even in a way that William Shatner was was almost never able to move past Captain Kirk. Like Even though Shatner did T.J. Hooker and all these other shows, people still definitively thought of him as Kirk. But Mark, him. it took him all this time to, to sort of outrun Luke Skywalker and get recognized as being such a brilliant performer. And now, in 2014, he gets to play Luke Skywalker again. It's, it's like so that's cool. But old man Skywalker. Old man Skywalker. And, and not only that, he gets to prove it. Like, he gets to show people what he's really made of. It's awesome. I'm so excited for it. I feel like if I, I – for me, like, Joker is the first thing I love him for. I love Star Wars, but, yeah. like, the Joker is the first thing I'm like, ah, oh, Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah, now that me I too. know. It's interesting, though, because I love him more for Joker, but I still identify him as an actor with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He we, – we were lucky enough to get him to come do Joker on our show a couple times. What was that like? <laughs> he was awesome. He's just so cool, man. Did he just knock it out immediately? Yeah, he crushed it. I met him – Originally, because he came to do Family Guy, and it was right around the time the uh, prequels had come out, like uh, New Hope, not New Hope, um, 
Phantom uh, Menace? Phantom Menace it was coming out, or it had just come out. And I chatted him up about that, and he had a lot of opinions about the prequels. But it was it wasn't until like we got him to come in and like act for us that I actually had. And was this for Robot Chicken? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you got him in to play the Joker. It was early enough in that whole. He's thing such a cool he was, guy. He would. He, I, he probably be, really enjoyed it. It was before the games. It was before the video games, uh-huh. and so he. He hadn't gotten, like, exhausted of the character. Right. He, he hadn't, like, dealt with any of the politics of it. it I was feel pe- like there was a period of time where, like, basically the people who grew up on the show are now making their own things. Yes. And they're like, we want the people that we grew up on. That's, Come on in. That's how it is. That's kind of how Robot Chicken was born. And it's it's that that seems to have been why it connected is that we are taking the things that were important to us when we were young and making them the content of today. And, you know, people seem to connect to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> the coolest. You're making your dreams a reality. <laughs> a song I prepared for you. Take it to the bridge. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great, good, good. Better singing. <laughs> um, let me just look through my notes really quick. I have printed notes. Most of it, trivia. There is actually, I went to this website. This is an insane, like I went to like dcau.fanwikipedia.com <laughs> And there's, like, a trivia for the episode you this were in. This is usually when I look the stupidest. Uh, this is, this says in here, Seth Green, who voiced Wizard, would later go on to play another youth caught up in the criminal world. Scott Evil, the conflicted teen angst-filled son of Austin Powers' rival, Dr. Evil. That's just, like, that's not trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more interesting is that I played another troubled teen on... Uh, the later episodes of, of uh, Batman Beyond. Right, connect yeah. it to the other DC Universe thing, yeah. but they're like, but also Austin Powers. <laughs> Perhaps you haven't heard of one of the most popular films of all time. Ooh, there's the nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's it, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Batman, the animated series related? I love you, Batman. I love you, Batman. We'll let him know. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. So there you have it. That's it. Thanks for listening to the first episode. Please stick around after I wrap things up, though, for a preview of the next episode. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe Batman the Animated Podcast in iTunes. Pass it along to a friend. Share it with a sperm whale your buddy buddy with. Why am I talking so much about sperm whales? I don't know. Here we are, though. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think also, so email me at batspodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet at me, at BTAS Podcast or at Hey Justin. If you worked on Batman the Animated Series and want to be a guest, I would love to talk with you on the podcast. I want to hear from you. I think this is going to be an every other week kind of podcast, mostly because it's just me booking the guests and editing this thing. I'm having a great time so far, and I think you'll be pretty excited to hear the episodes and guests I've got lined up. Uh, also, there are going to be more dumb fake commercials and games, so get ready for that. Next time on Batman the Animated Podcast. We'll be covering the Two-Face Two-Parter, featuring an interview with stop-motion director Harry Chaskin. It had a formidable effect on me from the first time I saw it. And the voice of Two-Face's wife, Grace, Murphy Cross. It was specifically authentic. You were supposed to be authentic. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, Casey Trela helped produce the theme song, and Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast. 
Thanks to Marissa Strickland, Jace Armstrong, and Harry Chaskin for acting in Police Blimps, and my mom for being a great sport and letting me interview her after a Hanukkah dinner. Thanks to Eric Martin for lending me his microphones and passing along his general podcasting knowledge. Roxy Radulescu for the website help. Laura Allen, Janet Damone, and Nick Nevada at Stupid Buddy Studios for coordinating my interview with Seth and Claire. Paul Gassar for sound engineering that interview. Seth and Claire for being interviewed. And of course, This American Life co-founder Tori Malatia, who helped me out when I had a plumber over to fix a leak by reminding me it was time to pay the piper. Thanks, Tori. Join me in a couple of weeks for more Batman the Animated Podcast.